Good evening, everybody. We are here the last Saturday of uh, September. Next week, when we come back for Q&A, it would be 10th month. And this is our 34th Q&A. We have questions. And uh, pray for us. And Hyderabad's been pouring non-stop practically for the past few days. Practically the entire state is flooded. Expecting more rains this coming week. But tomorrow we believe we will have a time of God will hold it back for some time. At least make it shower lightly till we reach church, finish service and all of you reach back home. So drive carefully. Tomorrow, of course, the number has been increased to 100. So all of you who couldn't make it last week, you can come. Uh, hope to see the rest of you tomorrow after six months. So this evening, before we go into the Q&A, we'll just look to the Lord. Pastor uh, Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you once again, Father, for this opportunity that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord for all the services through the week. And Lord, even as you have come to the end of the week for this Q&A session, we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, over everyone who's listening, O Lord. Grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Anoint all of us afresh, O Lord, to understand your word and understand, O Lord, that you will be, be able to uh, take the answers, O Lord, and Father, you will be able to minister to everyone's need, O Lord. Touch, Lord. Touch every one of us this time, O Lord. Come in this entire time into your hands. Let your name be lifted up. And let your word be lifted up in every situation in our lives. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, first, Pastor, the first question um, is the paradox of anxiety and growth. Can you please explain? It's... It's not actually a paradox. It is a paradox. But uh, <clears throat> see, in the kingdom of God, uh, there are instructions that is given. I want you to turn with you to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 in NKJV. NIV, anything, not KJV. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, be anxious for nothing. And uh, that's a statement that defies imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do I be anxious for nothing? Because as each day passes by, especially for everybody, and generally speaking, the poor, the oppressed, Christians everywhere, things seems to be only getting worse. The world seems to be only getting worse. And then God does not give us suggestions and opinions. Whenever he speaks, it's the king speaking. So it's a command. And the word says, be anxious for nothing. Okay. Second part, we will leave it. But what you are supposed not to do and supposed to do. Two things will be always there. Don't do this and do this. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is to something which, uh, which we need to enter by faith and hard work. Every day, okay, because so, uh, if you turn with me to Job 20 and verse 2, book of Job and verse 20. I mean, this man is assaulted from every side, okay, every side. Though he's not a national leader, he's the Trump of those days. <laughs> okay? 
Therefore, my anxious thoughts make me answer because of the turmoil within me. Wow. What happens is anxiety causes you to make missteps. Okay, missteps. And that's why uh, the Bible is telling, God is telling his children, don't be anxious. Because when you are in an anxious frame of mind, you will make missteps most of the time. You will make wrong decisions which actually impedes your spiritual growth. Mm. You lose time. Uh, very few sometimes are able to come back. Everybody doesn't come back mm. because of anxiety. They make uh, stupid decisions. When you are anxious, you take your eyes of God. You take your eyes of God in uh, in uh, Luke 12 and mm. verse 29. Yes. Okay, this is the parallel to Matthew 6, 34. Luke 12 and verse 29. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Okay, mm. because our anxiety is always connected. Actually, honestly, if you look at all our anxieties are connected with this body and this life on earth, which is connected with this body. And we... We forget the importance of the life that is coming. Huh. Unless we meditate upon God's word and learn to accurately evaluate and judge it and l see things that way, this is not going to go away. Like uh, God talks about, God talks about life on earth as grass that is here today, gone. Mm -hmm. The flower that's and falls away. Whisper, uh, not sorry, vapor. Mm -hmm. Vapor. Unless you see life, and Paul called, called, calls all the suffering he went through as momentary. momentary. Okay, afflictions. We don't see these afflictions as momentary, but unless you see it, you will not be able to take the right decisions. This is the problem. That's the paradox of anxiety. Anxiety will always will mess up the decisions you make. And this is we are talking to basically, it's a general principle and also a spiritual principle because anxiety can... Really, really mess you up. Let me show you an, one example from a real incredible man of God in First Samuel and chapter 27 and verse 1. Okay. And David said in his heart, okay, mm. so that's the anxiety in his heart. He's mm. been running, running, running from Saul and God is using that. I mean, God has allowed him. God is the one who called him. God is the one who anointed him. God is the one who allowed all these situations to happen to him. He has done nothing wrong so far. So you need to realize God has allowed all these things to happen. So it will not go against him. It will only work for him. But he becomes anxious. And in his anxiety, he makes a wrong decision. Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Saul will despair. This is anxiety causing him to take a wrong decision. He thinks the carnal way, mm. the way of the flesh. Let me escape out of this situation. Let me go into the world and hide myself over there. And it works for 16 months. But in the 16 months, the anointed next king of Israel is in the enemy's land, serving the enemy's king. And he messes his testimony up. God has to destroy it all. Every hand has to be turned against him. But thank God he doesn't break. He comes back to God. God gives him the way out of it. Victory. But remember, he has to wait seven and a half years as king only in Hebron over two tribes because the other ten tribes 
Do not trust him. Do not trust him. So you will think 16 months here, 16 months is 12 months and it's 16 months, right? Yeah, Four like months. Four. Seven and a half. So if you put it all together, it's a long period Nine of time. Years Nine years he lost in his life because of anxiety. Boy. <laughs> making a, a decision. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like if you look at Abraham, he was famine causes anxiety. And immediately he reverts to flesh. He goes to Egypt and he compromises everything. His wife is taken away. He becomes rich. But at the cost of his integrity, he comes back. He makes peace with God. But you know what will happen over there? What will happen over there is, I believe two things happen over there. One is the trip into Egypt and he comes back messes Lot up. Mm. Lot sees Egypt. He comes out of Egypt. He's got Egypt in his mind. And the first time he's given a chance to make a decision, choice of his own, he makes a decision according to Egypt. And then he never recovers from that. He goes to the end because of that. His, his end is dis- he's a righteous man, but a disastrous end because the uncle made a decision out of anxiety. And I will tell you the second thing. I may be wrong, but I'm just giving a spiritual principle over there. Because he tells Sarah, let's say that you are my sister, and then when she is taken forcibly away, he doesn't stand up to her defense and say, no, she is my wife, nothing, no. And she goes there and she, the Lord protects her, brings her out and all. She also thinks if what is good for the goose is good for the gander, so have a child through my maidservant. He brings the bar down. He brings the bar down because ultimately when the king is taking your wife away, it's got to do with sexuality. He brings the bar down and she also lowers the bar down. And you will see Isaac does not lower the bar down. Neither does Rebecca. So you will see when you make decisions because of anxiety, it impedes your spiritual growth and it causes other people to fall. Compromise. Other two people to compromise. Mm-hmm. The effects of it, uh, it may not just stop with you. It may not stop with you. So anxiety is very, 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 you have to be very, very careful in Jeremiah 17 and verse 8. This is what Jeremiah says. I think I'll put that. Yes, yes, yes. On the other hand, okay, if you are rooted in the word of God and led by the spirit of God, you learn how to live by faith. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will oh, not be, be anxious, anxious in the year of... It's not that drought will not come. Drought will come. God allows famine and drought into everybody's life. Otherwise, how will you know? Like I said, a faith that is not tested is not proved. It is not true. It cannot be trusted. So drought will come, but he will not be anxious in the year of drought. drought. Nor will cease from meaning. Even in the time of drought, you will yield fruit. Okay, that's Joseph. That is Joseph. Wherever you put him, he yields fruit. He yields fruit. And you will realize he is not anxious. He's not anxious. He knows God is in control. So anxiety, and we have to, if you go back to Philippians 4, 6, we have to fight this. It's not going to be easy. In the last days, scripture says, hearts of people will fail because of fear. And that is what has been, the pandemic has created an atmosphere of fear and anxiety. Everybody is worried about life, about jobs, about education, children, future, everything. This entire demonic spirits of fear and anxiety has been released upon the whole world. Then God in the middle says, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) 
don't be anxious about the pandemic don't be anxious about the famine don't be anxious don't be anxious but in everything in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request made be known to god and what will he do opposite of anxiety verse 7 peace opposite of anxiety he will do don't do this you do this and what will god do the peace of god this is not this is not the peace of man mm-hmm. this is a peace of god which the scripture says which passes understanding mm-hmm. we can't even understand how you can have peace in a situation but when you obey what god has said by faith you obey and the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. jesus christ your heart will be guarded your mind, mind will be guarded both will be guarded because this this you know this anxiety actually comes in the mind and lack of peace is felt in the heart and god will guard you both and final with this hebrews chapter 4 if i'm right uh, 10 and 11 or 8 and 9 rest yeah and yeah. eight and nine yeah hebrews yes yeah okay or uh, eight yeah. and yeah exactly yeah go ahead go ahead from eight yeah for if joshua had given them rest then he would not have after had spoken of another day mm-hmm. okay see yeah. joshua's rest was a rest physical rest after having fought severe wars and defeated all their enemies so god gave them rest the new covenant rest is completely different it is spiritual mm. you don't have to fight, lift a single hand you don't have to wield a single weapon and you can be at rest in the the most horrible dungeon in the world you can be at rest therefore there remains a rest for the people of god for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as, as god, god did okay what is that you cease from you because when you are anxious you will do a lot of works to deal with your anxiety <laughs> lot of crazy things like david did oh 16 months in philistine he was full of activity every day was a new battle <laughs> you'll cease from that okay you need to realize it's like a man who does not swim who's drowning so much activity but it's only taking him deeper and he's swallowing more and more more water more water that is the work of an anxious mind okay and that is martha i mean she's cooking for jesus and finally she just bursts out like the pressure cooker because it's a anxious man and he tells her you're worried about too many things you're anxious about too many things but one thing will not be taken away from mary she has done the right thing what is she's at rest uh, she's at my feet listening to the word of god and he says he who has rest entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as god did from his let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest okay we have to be diligent we have to work to enter into that rest that's your prayer closet that's what jesus does he has got more issues than any man who walked on earth none of us will face the pressure jesus faced because his pressure is not about other things his pressure is as a start each day i should not sin at all today i cannot afford to sin we can afford to sin and go for mercy let us be honest about it he cannot if he sins he's gone we are gone he cannot afford to sin so his days begins in prayer early in the morning he rises he goes he says with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving so he enters into that by rest he prays enters into god's rest and god says i am with you i'll take you through this this each day's ministry so even on the cross he begins with rest you don't see anxiety mm-hmm. you only see anxiety in the garden of gethsemane one point he's restless and scripture says 
he starts shedding blood. Because there is a diff- separation between his human flesh, will, and his father's will. Because he says, but father, not my will. And if never has the son, when he walked on earth, had a will, or what you say, uh, shown his will to be different from the father's will. He who declared in the beginning, I have come to do the, your will, O Father, for the first time is contending with that. And you will see he starts bleeding. Mm. Okay, that's the anxiety. anxiety. Blood the pressure. And his mm. blood vessels are popping mm. left, right mm. and center. Okay, the tension. And he comes back. Three times he asked. Three times Father said, no. He says, fine, it's with me. And the rest is, he enters into the Father's rest and goes happily to the cross. Okay, so we need to realize this is a practical thing which the Lord teaches. It's a battle, and that's the paradox of, cro- of growth. The more you battle anxiety, you don't need Prozac, you don't need any of those things, you don't need antidepressants. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is our antidepressants. Hallelujah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the one who is planted by the river. That's Joseph, planted over there. He's planted. The issues people are anxious is because anxiety begins in the mind. And it's because our mind is not controlled by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It is controlled by what we see and what we hear. Jesus also was seeing all those things, but he counter-attacked it by saying, but it is written. That's why Joshua is told, meditate upon my word day and night and do not let it depart from your mouth. Your thinking should be framed by my word. And that's how you beat anxiety. And that's the paradox. And every day you beat anxiety, you are going towards spiritual growth. So then God is able to speak to you, you are able to hear clearly, and you are able to act on it, and you are growing. Mm. That's the paradox. Yes, Pastor, with the, the add. There is, there is a, a connection between anxiety and orderliness as well, right? Because the guy who is more orderly in the sense of, is a spiritual order. He has to. He has spiritual no, and or, physical. Or, or, he has to uh, be anxious for little. Uh, little. Like uh, his anxiety level comes down. Let us say, you have to go to work at, uh, uh, be at office at 9 o'clock. Right? Nine o'clock. And when you go to office, you know, you need to say, take these things. Say you need to take nine items every day to the office. And every day, if you are a man with order and you know where these nine items are, you save time. You save anxiety. Okay? You save anxiety. Because anxiety has got to order always. It cuts down anxiety. You know, everything. Stewardship of life. You looked at those series in the broadcast, audio broadcasts on Mondays. This has to do with stewardship, stewardship of money. Okay. Ultimately, let us say, we'll be honest, when you're a believer and unbeliever, you need money to mm-hmm. live. Okay. Okay. When you have order in your money matters, it all falls into place. But not your order, God's order. Yeah. God's order. God has an order about finances. The world will teach you order about finances. And some people have no order at all. But order always takes anxiety away. Mm-hmm. No anxiety. You know? No anxiety at all. Because you don't, you have kept God's order and the famine doesn't bother you. The drought doesn't bother you. Okay, so it is, you don't have to wait for a miracle every day. Your life is a miracle. Amen. Because you have ordered it. That's why scripture Mm -hmm. says when they followed that order in Acts chapter 2, God did exceedingly great things in their midst because there was order. Mm. And it was very easy because every work of God is a miracle. If you look in the natural eye, it's a miracle. And we are supposed to be miraculous people. Because but that order has to be set in. And when the order sets in, the life of God flows into us. And the life of God is always supernatural. It is not natural. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yes, Next Pastor. That will naturally progress in it itself into question number yes. six. It says, why should the believer 
what should the believer do in these confusing days the believer in this confusing days has to get into the closet first thing two things will define your entire life on earth your entire eternity your prayer closet and your word closet nothing will change that is acts chapter 6 and verse 4 6:4 what the lessons the apostles learned from jesus two things defined it define jesus life okay we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word that will define in this confusing times okay the confusing times the only thing that will take us through it is this in your prayer closet you hear the voice of god in your word closet you understand the, the ways of god amen understand the ways of god god does not give god gave us a map and god gave us a guide mm. hallelujah okay god mm. gave us a map and he had given us a personal guide amen and he takes us through and everybody who finishes their race successfully like paul you will see they, these are the two things that define their life they continually gave themselves to pray that's not mean you pray 24/7 i'm not talking about that people have to work but you never left your prayer closet empty that defined time it didn't matter how rushed you were what you did is you took half hour off your sleep you chose to miss one how much time do you take to eat a meal 30 minutes 20 minutes you chose not to eat one meal nothing will happen if you don't eat one meal a day Amen. nobody has died because they fasted Hallelujah. Nothing will happen. We have to make those choices, but you will not make these choices unless you look into eternity. Eternity is time without limit. Second thing, everything is promised to those who overcome and reach eternity. Everybody is a child of God, but everybody is not going to inherit. Its Bible is very very clear. The child does not inherit. That's Galatians chapter 4, 1 and 2 will not inherit. only the matured son and the matured son i tell you i say that heir as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave though he is a master of all the child is got nothing to do with age it is to got to do with spiritual maturity spiritual maturity okay is not going to inherit anything a lot of people are okay like you know a lot of people i mean do you want to be like chandu in lhl in eternity i mean if you look at it if you look at it normal same that kid is got a good time he doesn't have to he hasn't done anything from the day we got him he's in his bed he's got his tube mickey tube surgery he's fed through the tube he's carried to the bathroom his nappy is changed he's growing 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 physically but he's going nowhere you know why because from the head down to all parts of his body he's damaged from birth oh lord okay okay oh. on the other hand if he was a normal child he would be now in school the parents would have had hopes and aspirations and dreams everything about him a lot of people are going to end up like that in heaven sorry to say but that's the truth because god says i gave you time i gave you you are saved because you believed the foundation was fine but when you come through the fire everything else got burnt and genesis uh, sorry revelation 21 8 is very very clear you have to look at everything in terms of eternity and be willing to pay the price that is the final one read the first three chapters read each church and to every church the promise is given because god is the greatest motivator on earth he who overcomes shall inherit all things i will be his god and he shall be my son 
means other son or his sons? No. Everybody who received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. That is the term used infant. This is the term used, the mature son who has understood the will, the heart and the purpose of God. They shall be my sons and he'll give them all. I can use the example. How many sons did David had? Tons of them. <laughs> Wives, concubines, he multiplied like geometry and trigonometry and all. He had so many sons. One son only sat on the throne. So many tried to usurp the throne mm-hmm. while he was living. And after he was dead also one fellow tried. But only one son sat on the throne. And if you look at that son, the son had learned the discipline of his father. He obeyed his father. He learned the commandments of his father. He honored his father. And God gave the throne to him. So one son overcame what the other sons could not overcome. They all were overcome by sin. This son overcame sin. Therefore he inherited. He was the king. Some of his brothers served in his dispensation. But he was the king. And they had to go to him for mercy. Okay, so that's what God is talking about, you know. Unless we look, like in the world also, who are the successful people who have made sacrifices in their life? They looked at it and said, okay, I'm going to make sacrifices because that's my goal. That's my goal. Okay, I'm willing to make these sacrifices. But that's a temporary success. It all will be washed away on the day of judgment. We are looking at eternity. So what should a man do in these confusing times? Be focused in all these two things. Whatever you do, whatever is happening, your prayer closet and your word life. One alone is not enough. If you do not have a strong word life, your prayer closet will deceive you. You will hear voices which sound exactly like God. You do not have the discernment to test. Because Satan does not come as Satan to everybody. He comes as an angel, angel of light and a preacher of righteousness. Huh. Camouflaged. You will not have discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. You will not know what is right. That is why your prayer class. That's why they didn't say we give continually to prayer. No. They said no. And to the ministry of the word. And if you look at Jesus, that is how his life was defined. Prayer and word. So that what you heard in your prayer closet was sanctioned by the word of God. Because a lot of people will come and say, I heard, I saw, I had vision, I have dreams. Nothing matches with the word of God. Mm. Okay, A lot of people are so strong in the word of God, but they never hear. Because their prayer closet is empty. Mm. They never hear. They have no dreams, they have no visions. Either for, for themselves also they have no vision. No dreams, no visions, they don't hear. So these two has to be balanced. These two be, has to be balanced. Daniel was very strong in the word and very strong, strong in visions yes. and dreams and in his prayer life. Very strong in his prayer life. Very strong in the word. So God could give him visions mm-hmm. and dreams and explanation. He understood the explanation. Yes. Yes. He understood. This is it. This is it. He understood it very well. That's the thing. Yes, Pastor Vijay. It's, it's, it's imp- impossible. Uh, I mean, it's imperative that if you want, if there is, if you want to have clarity, mm. you have to hear the voice of God. You have to hear the voice Otherwise, and the word of God. Word of that God. is the spirit and the faith comes from hearing. That is the spirit of God. And hearing from the word of God. The spirit and the word always. That is a pattern from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22. They work together. You cannot have one without the other. It is asking for trouble. Having one. But though, you can lead a righteous life with the word alone. Uh-huh. With the word alone. Kind of like Lot can kind of righteous. But you will receive no rewards. 
because you never fulfilled God's purpose. You only fulfilled one part of God's purpose, but you never did the appointed works. You were appointed for good works hmm. after salvation. That you never did. So the purpose of God was not fulfilled. Sanctification may have been fulfilled. The other part, when you came into God's presence, your hands were empty. You brought nothing. Nothing. You brought nothing. Yes, Pastor David. So, Pastor, this the next couple of questions will, will uh, uh, is related to the other faiths. Okay, so we'll look at, look at question number seven. As a Muslim, I always say I like the Christ and Christians, but I don't like the Christians. Too many persecutions and too much of hypocrisy. So how do we help each other to stop selling Christ for a lower price? <laughs> That's a general question everybody says. But my question to anybody of any faith is that as a Muslim, do you love all Muslims? No. As a Hindu, do you love all Hindus? No. As a Buddhist, do you love all Buddhists? No. I've seen all kind of crackpots in all these religions. And good people too. Very good people. Okay, I've seen. In every religion, I've seen the worst and the best. Okay, so, so that is a general statement about all faiths. But somehow in all faiths, there is an expectation that Christian is different. Exactly. That's there is an expectation that the Christian is different. It's simply because of Christ. Mm. It's simply because of Christ. The problem is a religious person from any faith until he goes through the born again experience will not understand how to judge. Because in every religion, actually seven and eight uh, go uh, together. Exactly, yes. Seven and eight go together. Every religion is a religion of works. Hmm. So you are judged by your works. Christianity is not a religion of works. It is a religion of faith. So you come to God as a sinner. You don't come to God saying, Lord, I have done all these good things. That's what every religion does. Mm. In Christianity, you don't even talk about your good things because God says, I don't even want to hear that. <laughs> your righteousness is like filthy rags before me. You can only approach me by the work of my son. So everyone who is a genuine Christian, I'm not talking about a namesake Christian, has first encountered God as a sinner and not as a righteous man. Mm. Encounters God. So any Christian who has not encountered God first as a sinner, it's not a Christian. Amen. It's not a Christian. You just got a name tag, but the tag is wrong. It's like my friend in college in 1983, he went out shopping in the night and was so happy because he thought he got a bargain deal because he bought a pair of Adidas and came and then found it was Adidas <laughs> under the light. <laughs> then he realized he paid too much for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the funny thing in Malayalam, you have to understand these jokes. In Malayalam, Adidas means give him one. Okay. Adi. <laughs> so that response, just go back to the market and give him one. Okay. So we are talking about Christianity is not a label. It's not, just because you have a label, that does not make you a Christian. Okay? It's not, it must not make you a Christian. Let's look at how beautifully Paul explains this. Paul was the man God used because mm. he was a very religious freak. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he was a religious freak. In Romans chapter 2, okay, this Jew, he was a freak when he was a Jew. Okay? <laughs> Verse 28 and 29. Okay? Romans chapter 2. 2, 28. Because okay. remember, 
you are born in a Jewish family, but when you actually become a Jew on the eighth day when you are circumcised, mm-hmm. that is when you are a Jew. You are a religious person, Muslim, when you are circumcised. Jew, when you are circumcised. No? Every religion, they have something that automatically identifies you as part of that religion. Catholic, you are baptized. You know, male, mainline churches, you are baptized. Sprinkle, okay. <laughs> Sprinkle whatever. But genuine Christianity, doesn't matter. At some age, you had an encounter with God. You repent of your sins. You ask for forgiveness. You invite Jesus into your heart. You surrender your life. And that's the beginning. God calls it born again. But this is a religious person. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. That is like a lightning bolt on a Jew's head. What do you mean? I am circumcised on the eighth day. I am not a Jew. He says, no, you are not a Jew. Jew. He is using that example to teach us. But he is a Jew. Okay? Who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Not in the letter, but whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now the word Jew, he's not using the word Israelite. He's using the word Jew. Mm. Jew means Judah. Mm. Yehudi, Mm. which means one who praises God. Mm. A true Yehudi is one. It's not one who praises God. It's one whose praise is from God. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. It's not from exactly. that, but from mm. God. God says, that's my boy. Mm. That's Amen. my boy. You can praise as much as you want. Every religion praises God. But God doesn't praise every man of every religion. Amen. Mm. Every man. He yes. praises. So there was millions of people on earth. But when Satan came to him, he said, did you see my man, Joe? Did you see my boy, Joe? Because his heart was circumcised. His heart was. Though he's not a Jew. Because he's probably living before yes, Abraham's yes, time. Yes. But his heart is circumcised. So this is what talking about. What is Christianity? Christianity is a sinner who is saved by grace. Who is a Christian? He's a sinner. If you never acknowledge you are a sinner, you cannot be saved. You are not saved. So the starting point of salvation is you realize you are a sinner. Not a, not a better sinner, words is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Everybody is at the same level, at the foot of the cross. The most righteous man, the word sinner is still the same. It's no difference before God. Whether you stole a billion dollars or you stole a chicken, you are a thief. <laughs> okay. Ultimately, you will be labeled a cheap. Okay. 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 One was a blue collar, white collar thief. The other was an oily thief. Meaning that's how in Kerala when they go to steal in the night, they cover themselves full of oil and wear their underwear and go. So that anybody catches him, he slips through. So one is an oily thief, the other is a white collar, blue collar, whatever thief. But a thief is a thief. Okay. Okay. So to be a liar in God's kingdom, you just need to say one lie. You don't need to. There's no count. No count. Oh, I have to to be declared a liar. You need to have lied at least thousand times. No one is enough. That's the whole thing. Is there anybody who has in life? No. No. Only one. That was Jesus. No deceit was found in his mouth. Mouth. Amen. That means he never lied. Mm. Okay. So everybody is a liar. Everybody is a thief. Mm. Even if I have never stolen, did you steal somebody's reputation by slandering? You are a thief. You took somebody's name. You curse somebody and stole somebody's name and reputation. You are a thief. You are a liar. You are a thief. You are a murderer because you killed somebody's name. It's easier to give back. Uh, I mean, once you steal somebody, kill somebody's reputation, it's impossible to give it back. It's gone out of your hands. Okay? Gone out of your hands. Okay? 
Christ could resurrect Lazarus, but he cannot resurrect somebody's name until he reaches there on that day. Okay, on that day. So you need to realize there is nobody who is not a sinner, but nobody is, everybody does not acknowledge because this is the problem of religion. Religion will always judge each other. I am better than him. My karma, my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, but it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Huh. Doesn't work. If you have said one lie, you are destined for hell. You have stolen one thing, you are destined for hell. Because to enter into heaven, you have to be perfect. It's only one criteria. It's not like genuine. Saint Stephen's also 99% cut off this year. Wow. Heaven is 100%. And 100, that 100 is declared by God, not by a committee. Committee may say you have 100. God says, no, you don't have. You have or not even have 1%. The committee is 100%, maybe not even 1% in God's sight. Okay, so you need that hundred percent from God to enter into heaven, and nobody has it. That is his encounter with God. That's why even like if you would say Isaiah, oh, I wish I was like Isaiah. One vision of God, I am a man of unclean lips. Everybody who are righteous in Israel would want to be like Isaiah. Isaiah has one glimpse of heaven and says, "I am the most unrighteous man on earth." And God says, "Agreed. You agreed. Now I'll clean your lips." How can God clean your lips unless you agree that you're a man of unclean lips? Yes. Right? So everywhere you see there's an acknowledgement of who you are. And you will never acknowledge who you are until you encounter the real living God. The real living God will show you who you are. That's the beginning of salvation. Hmm. That's the beginning. You in an encounter, you stop in. And then you're on the road. So when a religious person is judging a Christian, he's coming from a religion of works. Hmm. And judging somebody who says, my works mean nothing. nothing. I'm on the way. I am on the way. I'm on the road. God is working on me. That's what we saw in Hebrews chapter 4. Anyone who comes to God, enters into his rest, ceases from, from his He's no works. longer trying to please God with his good works. Yes, he yes. is trying now to walk by faith. He's not saying he's perfect. But when he falls, he runs back to God, receives mercy, and he walks with God. Now his entire life is lived before God and not lived before man. Hmm. Okay, men. That's why scripture says the spiritual man Judge judges all, all things, things, but he, no one judges him correctly. Yes, yes. Nobody can judge him correctly. Yes, yes. Okay, nobody can judge him correctly because you cannot judge him correctly. Because only God can judge him. Hmm. Because however he is living his life, life before God, nobody knows. So that's the difference over here. So how do you, the thing is that, that is becomes our testimony. You know, and sometimes that becomes the most powerful testimony, you know. Like uh, a, a Christian who fell, goes back and says, I'm sorry, I fell, I want to make a restitution. It's a powerful testimony to all these righteous who will never say they are wrong and never will make a restitution. Though they all know inside they are wrong, but they will never make they were still trying to do good work, saying that wrong can be outweighed by my good. And God says, it doesn't work in my kingdom. So the very fact that, you no, know, when Zacchaeus stood up, you now he's the most crooked man mm. in the town, in Jericho. When he stands up, everybody is upset. He's going to that man's house. He's in there, crooked man. He's corrupt, everything. He stands up and he makes a confession. This is who I am. And I will make a restitution. And Jesus is so pleased. He says, salvation has come into this house today. It is a shocker for all the religious people 
religious people. He never told anyone of it. Salvation has come into your house because of your good works. Okay. And what caused him to acknowledge who is an encounter with Jesus Christ? Caused him to acknowledge this is who I am. And I want to acknowledge it and I want to do what I can do. And God says salvation has come. Mm. That's Christianity. That is genuine Christianity. Genuine Christianity is on the road to perfection. But every day you try to be blameless before God. You make peace with God, you make peace with your neighbor. Peace with your neighbor. And you're walking that way. And that becomes your testimony. Religious is not. Religious is a of, of good works. You will see how many people I helped, how many people I gave money, how many charitable deeds. But it means nothing. It means nothing at all. It's irrelevant. Because the source of it is still pride. Hmm. At the end of it, what is it becoming? It's only making you more and more and more proud. Like the Pharisee. He says, you know, I'm not like that guy. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. So all your charitable deeds is only making you more proud. It's not making you humble. But the works God does through you makes you more and more humble because God is through doing through it to you and you realize, you know, boy, I can't do this. Hmm. I'm even more dependent, dependent upon, upon God, God in these things. Actually, dependence on God is possible only with the humble. The proud will stand on their own good works and be judged severely on the day of judgment. This is a difference between religion and faith. That's why Paul goes from one stage of glory to another stage. So no, first he what does he say? I am chief of sinners. No, no, first uh, least, of, least of, of apostles. apostles. Then he goes least to of saints. Least of saints. And by the time he finishes, he puts him in there. I am chief of sinners. He understand this is who I am. And but for Christ, no, but for Christ. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We'll go to the next question. Pastor, sure. one of the things that I've uh, observed also is that the religious people, mm. they're more involved in persecuting the others. Why, why is the religious mind or the spirit mm. having this bent towards persecution? I mean, because it's, it's mentioned in that. So what is it? I mean, I've seen in the, even, even if it's a Christian religious person, he persecutes the other guy. And if you have a Muslim religious guy, there's a, Incredible spirit of persecution that goes towards the to, towards the righteous who is walking because by faith. Because that, see, this is if you if you go to that second next question, we will uh, look uh, look at that point also. Okay? Yeah. So what? Yeah. Question number eight is uh, from the other faith. Hmm. Uh, what is the what is the difference in incarnation karma? All religious religions have miracles. All religions are exclusive. Question mark. Question mark. Hmm. So is Christianity different from all the other religions? Yes, it is. It is different. First, let me talk, go to the first point when you talk about incarnation. Okay, because different religions also use that same. Islam does not use incarnation, but Hinduism uses incarnation. Or a lot of other religions, you no, know, ancient religions that passed away, all uses this term called incarnation. Incarnation primarily means when the divine takes human form. Hmm. So Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But what is different in religions when you talk about incarnation? Now let us look at uh, uh, Hinduism has ten incarnations. The tenth one they are waiting. Nine they say they have come and they are waiting. for. But in each of the ten incarnations, if you look at each of the incarnations, the primary person, pur- purpose of the incarnate person is to destroy the sinners and save the righteous. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of incarnation. Yes. Now if you go to Luke chapter 5, and verse 32, right? I have not come to call the righteous. Huh. 
but to save but the sinners to repentance jesus did not come to save the righteous he came to save the sinners that is the fundamental difference of christ incarnation which is absolutely totally different from every incarnation in every religion jesus came to save the sinners save the sinners okay save so the gospel is preached to the sinner while every religion caters to the righteous, righteous. yes mm. caters to the righteous mm-hmm. okay like i come from the state of kerala the state of kerala the history the myth behind kerala is this like the sages where the brahmins the sages were being persecuted they do not have a place to do their meditation and all that so they cried out to one of the avatars which is parshurama so what did he do he threw his axe onto the sea the sea separated and became land and that land is kerala okay <laughs> that land is kerala samit behind so see everywhere you will see it is due towards the righteous hmm. god is not discarding the righteous but he is saying even you have to come through the same way because there is none who's righteous, righteous before god. god yes all have sinned and come short of the so this is the first issue with incarnation difference with incarnation is christ incarnation is completely different when every other incarnation is almost similar and christ did this absolutely diametrically opposite i choose to believe the incarnation of christ because that seems to be genuine because i'm not coming from a righteous point of view i'm looking from a sinner's point mm. of view i need christ yes 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 i need mm. christ i don't need the other avatars because when he kills i will also die mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll also die because I can only consider myself righteous. The only way I can consider myself righteous is by looking at my brother and judging him and says, "I am better than him. I am better than him." Mm-hmm. <coughs> There's no other way I can consider myself. There's no righteous. standard mm-hmm. because my standard is my brother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. My standard is not God. Mm-hmm. Our standard is a set of precepts. Mm-hmm. It is not God. So we already saw the precepts only looks at the outside. Mm-hmm. Circumcision is is gone. you must show a finger otherwise i'll keep talking so let's work okay give me a comes up when i am alive so i am alive live that is the fundamental difference between incarnation okay of other religions and christ as incarnate one god in flesh hmm. okay so he has come to save the sinners and he himself is not we go to john 14 and verse 6 this is the difference between him and all the others okay like if you want to talk about it like look here jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. Mm. He did not say I have come to show you the way. Everybody else shows the way. Mm. Shows the way. 
Okay, Jesus does not show the way. He says, I am the way. I mean, he himself is the way. Meaning, unless I appropriate of his death, his life, and his resurrection, I cannot go forward. I have to literally, his life has to become my life. That is the life of faith. It is not even following a set of precepts which is already there in Judaism. I have to appropriate first the death of Jesus Christ. He died for my sins. Receive it. Second, now I have to appropriate by faith the life of Jesus Christ. By faith, I start hearing, obeying. Now he is living through me. And for that, I have to believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised him from the dead is what will empower me to live that life. Everything okay, Sammy? Okay. So we have to realize, so Jesus is different. Absolutely, nobody say like if you take care of Islam, if you take over Islam, Islam can survive without Muhammad. You don't need Muhammad. You only need the teachings of Muhammad. You don't need Muhammad, the life, the person of Muhammad for Islam to continue. Okay? You don't need Moses for Judaism to continue because law came through Moses. But you don't need Moses. Mm. The life of Moses makes no difference to the law. He himself was not allowed to enter into the promised land, but the law went into the promised land. (laughs) The law was from God. Mm. Buddha is not needed for Buddhism. Seven jewels are given or eight jewels are given. That's enough. But you cannot have Christianity without Christ. And wherever the church has failed in the West is because they took Christ out of Christianity and made him into a teacher. Uh They don't accept his death. And it's a resurrection anymore in many. They don't talk about the blood. They don't want to talk about the ball. They don't want to be politically correct and say people are sinners. The preaching of the gospel has changed. And the churches became all teaching places where Jesus is just. And they can then they can bring all the others also. You know, many churches in the West, so many have gone that way. They bring everybody in because Christ is just one. But the problem is that's not what he said. He said, I am the way. way. Mm -hmm. So the exclusivity of Christ is Christ says, you cannot come to God, the Father, except through me. Well, in Gita, Krishna says, all ways lead to me. Uh can come through anyway. (laughs) He makes his contrary statements to what Christ has said. Christ says, I am the way. He says, all ways lead to me. Okay, that's why in Hinduism, it is a very tolerant religion for man. For the man of flesh, Hinduism is a very tolerant religion. You can pick your guru. Yes. You can choose your guru. I have, I had uh, fathers of Hindu kids born in Hindu families where the child became Christian who came to me and said, in our religion, we follow our guru. I don't understand your religion. My child has accepted your God. You are her guru. So you make the choices for her. You find the spouse for her. I will allow her to get married according to your customs. <laughs> and I found that's a very tolerant genuine person. Mm. Uh, that won't happen in any other... This, well, Hinduism is a very tolerant. I said, don't, um, don't misread Hinduism by what you see happening today in the politics and everything. Those are people who don't know their own religion. Yes. Hinduism, Hinduism is a very tolerant religion. There's a demonic side of it, but Hinduism is a very tolerant religion. That's why in the entire world, during the Jewish dispensation, the only land where the Jews were never persecuted was, was India. India. And yes. That's because of the Hindu religion. It's a tolerant religion. Okay, they allow you to pick your own way. Choose your own way. Now it has become very intolerant because that is the last days every religion will become intolerant. Okay, it becomes intolerant. So you will, you will see that, um, there when you go to that, uh, there is no, you see the contradiction 
with so when a Hindu hears, there is no other way. See, that's the thing. You go and speak about Jesus to any Hindu, they'll easily receive Jesus, but they won't receive him as the only one. Oh. So you go to many Hindu homes, you will see they have bought a picture of Jesus Christ and put him also up there. They have no issues. And they mostly associate Jesus with the God of healing. So don't get fooled by all the crowds that come for the crusades. They will accept the healing. Yes. But they will not accept him as the only one. Because that is a very difficult because for them to accept Jesus as the only one, they have to discard the pantheon of all these gods. That is a struggle. But that's where salvation comes. Jesus did not say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way, mm. the truth, and the life. the life. That's the exclusiveness of Christianity. Exclusiveness of Christianity. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And the difference between religion, a religious Christian, Christian, Protestant or Catholic, who is genuinely not really, really not saved, okay, who is not genuinely saved, like any religion, what happens? The nature of religion, the righteous by works, I'm not talking about the sinner in the religion, uh-huh. they are actually more nicer. Okay, they are actually more nice because they are, they have their vices, they are condemned under the vices, they don't try to harass you. It is the fellow who is zealous for his religion who starts persecuting. Mm. That's it. Okay. You did not see Zacchaeus persecuting anybody, he only wanted their money. But you saw Saul of Tarsus persecuting everybody. Yes. Okay. So there are these religious people in all religions. It's a Catholic or a Protestant or a Hindu or a Muslim or they are, they are very religious. So what happens is, it is exactly, this is that spirit, what you see with Ishmael and Isa. Mm. Okay, Sarah saw the son of the slave, the maidservant, mocking her son. One is a son of faith, son of faith. The other is the son of flesh. So he's mocking the son of faith. He will always harass and look down. But you will see the son of faith, from the beginning you see him, Isaac, as a young little child, till his end, never lifts his hand. A genuine Christian who is of faith never persecutes, persecutes somebody else. Because he himself knows, I was a sinner and I was saved by grace. And he understands the divinity of freedom to choose to choose. So he knows, I made a choice, so I have to allow the other person also to choose. I cannot force my religion on somebody. He only asks for an open setting where he can preach the gospel. Mm. So when they talk about conversion, it is not true because nobody can convert anybody. It cannot be possible. Talking, it's not possible. You cannot convert anybody. You can Nobody can convert anybody to become a Christian. It's not possible. Because conversion is the supernatural work of the Spirit of God. I can only preach the gospel. I cannot convert anybody. Mm. So, genuine Christians only ask, please give us an open platform to preach the gospel and leave it to the people. And if people choose, allow them to choose. Because they are allowed to choose everything else in life. Everything else you allow people to choose. Except what to believe. And that is a fundamental right. So they bring all inducement, everything, and they stop the propagation of the gospel. Because it's all created by fear of losing you know, numbers, politics, all that thing. But you need to realize, you no, know, when you're not a truly saved person, you will persecute the other. You look down upon the other. You will have contempt for the other because you know what? 
your righteousness has only created pride. Uh. Only created pride. That's the difference between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness by that faith. by faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, righteousness by faith. You know what? Let it, let me explain the difference. Okay, let us explain. I work hard, really work hard. I make my money. I build my house. I buy my car. All my hard work is also feeding into my SD, my pride, everything. And let us say, Pastor Vijay. Okay, he comes to me. And say, Pastor, I don't have money this week. I said, Yeah, I take. I take. Now I feel even more better. I'm giving charitable deeds also. But every time he has to come to me. Okay? Because he comes to me every day and because he's living me off me every day, there is no room for pride for him. <laughs> because every day he has to humble himself. Because he knows I live because of the magnanimity of another. Mm. Okay? That is the life of faith. Every day we go to God. And we know He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. Every day life is a gift. Every day it is grace that takes me through. Therefore there is no room for pride. Mm. If you go every day. Yes. That's why God's scripture says He gives grace only to the humble. Amen. But the proud He resists. resists. The proud has lots of good works, but the problem it's only feeding into its pride. Oh. And it makes them nasty, angry, looks down upon. One of the reasons why God says many who are rich, many who are noble, many who are strong are not called. I mean, you mean to say, God, why can't he call them? Because they're full of pride. It is not that riches is disqualifying you. Mm. It's not strength is disqualifying you. It's not nobility is disqualifying. None of these things are, are disqualifying in itself. But this all feeds to the to flesh, pride. to pride. Yes, yes, yes. To the pride. So it's very difficult to preach to them. Mm. Very difficult to preach to them. So all God does is He leaves them alone. He leaves them alone. He passes them by. Honestly, He passes them by. The Word of God passes over them. It's very sad. He passes over them. On the other hand, the poor sinner, okay, that fellow who has done terrible things which this person never did, <laughs> he hears the gospel, he will cry out, Appa, yeah, have mercy on me. And God says, take mercy, go. And after that, you will see he is there. For, I remember one of those villages where I went. And when I went to that village, they said, nobody, no Christian missionary has ever come to this village before. It's in a remote place in, in, in another country. When I went over there, okay. And uh, one young man, who had accepted Christ, was sent by the Spirit of God to that village. He went, the entire village is Hindu. Okay? So he couldn't even find a place to stay, to start something. So there was this guy who had built these shops with shutters, this thing, and he couldn't hire it to anybody. So finally he gave it to this man and said, okay, you take it. Okay? So with that shuttered this thing, and one room over there and the kitchen, he started his church. I reached that place. How I reached that place, I do not know. There was no GPS, nothing, somehow or other at 12 in the night, I reached that place. And next day, they opened the shutter and we had a meeting. And everybody came, full. All Hindus, Vitika, everything. And they will listen, they will cry, everything. And among them, one or two believers are there. Okay, believers. And I was there for two days. Okay. I still have a picture of that gentleman. Early in the morning, an old man comes. He's just wearing an old, dirty dhoti and a banyan. 
You know why he has come? Because he says, Pastor is here. I want to learn in the morning. Okay. Pastor is here. I have learned in the morning. I have come to study the word of God. Yeah, huh? Think about it. <laughs> now who in the city will come? <laughs> Super. If I tell you the name of the village, you won't even know where this village is. I don't think even I can find that place again. Second time myself. Okay? That night when I stayed over there, I told you I was highly exalted, so they gave me the kitchen to sleep. And I didn't go to the toilet at all because they didn't have a toilet. But they were hungry for the word of God. You tell me, do you find that with the proud? No. With the righteous? No, you don't find it. So that's why I said don't judge anything before time. A day of judgment is coming. When God will say, you had no clue. Like he told Elijah, hey, hang on Elijah, 7,000 others you do not know. I know. I have not bent their knee to Baal. So you need to understand this is how it works. This is how it works. Mm. Okay. So the sinner will come. You know, you look at Mary Magdalene. Right? Mary Magdalene had seven demons. I mean, she was perfectly possessed. Seven demons. And God cast Jesus. She had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Where it happened is not mentioned, but he cast her out. And after that, you see, she follows him wherever he goes, taking care of his needs. Mm. Okay, that's an incredible testimony about Mary Magdalene. And she's there. When he's on the cross, she's there. Mm. She's there. And after that, you will see her. When his body is being taken to be buried, she's there at the burial site making it very clear which grave she, which tomb he is being put in so that she can come back and anoint his dead body. And she is there early in the morning on Resurrection Sunday. But who is she? What happened to all the righteous? What happened to the disciples? Simplicity. What happened to the disciples? What happened to the disciples? And who is she? A demon-possessed woman. What What? Job will be give our demon possessed woman in our house. She will at maximum will, we will give her a job as a servant in the house and keep an eye on her all the time. Pagal dha pehle. Aankh rakhna iske upar. That God's eye is upon her. Okay. And you know what? You will be very surprised. You and I are going to be very surprised when we reach heaven and to see she is exalted in heaven. She's exalted in heaven. I don't know who will have a bigger crown in heaven. Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene? Hmm. Probably Mary Magdalene. I do not know. I don't know how she finished her race. So please don't under, un, under, underestimate how God does or how God works in people. And then again, coming to that part of the question. So Christianity is different from all other religions. It is absolutely different from all other religions. All other religions, every other religion actually doesn't need the founder. You just need his rule book. Yes. In Christianity, the rule book is irrelevant without, without the founder. founder. You need him every day. And the very fact you belong to that religion is because the founder has come inside of you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, believe and be baptized. And you shall receive the remission of sins and you will receive the, the gift, gift of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit was the proof that you have been forgiven. What is the proof? What is the seal? What is the mark? The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead who had fathered him, who had empowered him, who raised him from the dead. The same Spirit has come inside and that is the proof of salvation. And the Spirit keeps leading. And from there the process begins. 
It's a continuous road of repentance and coming back and growing, 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 growing. That's Christianity and it is not a religion. In another country, when there was a situation when the government was tracking down on Christians and they were sending these uh, letters, uh, formats uh, to the people who are working in the government because they want to check and uh, they asked, they had to write the column called religion. So one of them came to me and said, Pastor, what should I do? <laughs> if I write the truth, I am in trouble. I may lose my job. My children may be kicked out of school because they don't allow it. It is banned. So I said, write nil. No religion. <laughs> I said, but sir, pastor, but how can I write nil? I said, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship with God. We don't have a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a living relationship with the living God. Okay, it is. A Buddhist does not have a relationship with Buddha. Mm. You find me one Muslim who tells me, I heard from Muhammad today and I hear from him every day. You will not find any more. No. No. Not find any Christian, so hears from Christ. That's why he's a Christian. Christian is who has been given the name of the founder. And he's not a founder of a religion. He's a founder of a family. Mm. Founder of a family. It's a right name. If they ask you, you say, no, I have no religion. That system will accept. If you have no religion, they have no problems. No problem. You know, it happened in Russia in another time during those lockdown, no? lockdown communist USSR, it was called those days. It's a believer going for a house, underground house meeting and the secret police, they're checking all the time in those places, time even now. They stopped him and said, where are you going? Are you going for a Bible study? But if he says he's finished, others are finished. So he says, Lord, give me an answer. What do I tell them? Holy Spirit, because we have a living God, spoke to him. So he said, our eldest brother died. <laughs> we were gathering in the house to read his will. <laughs> That's exactly what the Bible says in the New Testament. Is. Testament means the, the will. will. The will is not effective unless the writer of the will dies. Mm -hmm. Then only it becomes effective. So he had to die. The one who wrote the Bible had to die because it's the will of God for his children. Mm. And the civil police was very compassionate and said, go, 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 please go, please go, please go. Why? Because we have a living God. Hallelujah. A living God who navigates you through all this. That is why I said, what should a person do in these confusing times? Hear. Amen. Hear. Hear the word. And stay in the word. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. It says, all religions have miracles. Uh, yeah, let me tell you about all, all, because a religion cannot survive with, without, uh, without miracles. Power, there should without be some power. Okay. Only, only religion that does not have miracles is communism. That's <laughs> why they kill. <laughs> they don't give life, that is they the, kill. That is a power. <laughs> Every other religion that is healing and everything and all, because religion can be sustained only by power. If there is no power, people will not believe. Hmm. You need to realize, uh, what we see as Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, these are not the only religions that ever existed. So many religions were there yes. which had started and died because mm -hmm. the power factor went. Power factor went. One way or other, God just shut the power structure and it went. Why were the prophets of Baal killed on the Mount Carmel? Because oh. God shut their power oh, structure. Okay, power structure. And people had to see that. And when they saw they did not have power and Elijah's God had power, there was a power. This thing, that's when the power, doctor, um, power, the um, 
prophets of Baal. So in every religion, there is miracles. Hmm. Miracles are a sign. Now I want you to turn for that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, two. where it says 9 to 11. Yeah. Hmm. This is how you judge a miracle. Hmm. Even in Christianity and on Christian TV. <laughs> the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and, and lying, lying wonders. wonders. Okay, can I have it in NIV so that... Uh, it will from, from nine onwards in a line, please. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit, counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so to be saved. saved. And for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. The whole thing you have to look at the miracle is that the miracle may be genuine, mm. but the message is false. Okay, you need to realize, okay, there is a miracle. Behind the miracle, there is a message. The question is, does the message behind the miracle taking you to the living God where you have an encounter with the holy God you understand your sinfulness and you cry for mercy and he saves you from the penalty of sin. Mm. That is the message. Yes. That is the message. Which no religion which with power does it. You are left on your own. Mm. Krishna doesn't save you. You have to save yourself. Muhammad does not save you. You have to save yourself. Buddha does not save you. You have to save yourself. No other God in this world will save you. You have to save Yourself. But the difference with the miracle of Jesus Christ is the miracles pointed to him and he says, I will save you. The purpose of this sign was to bring you to me so that you know you cannot save yourself. I will save you. That's the difference. <laughs> Every religion has miracles. The question is where does Catholicism has all kinds of miracles which are all false. Takes you further and further away from Christ. They will talk about miracles happening in Velankani and all this place. Can Mary save you? She cannot save you because she did not die for me. For my sins. Simple thing. Did she die for my sins? No. That is the key. It's not whether she gave birth to Jesus Christ. That does not save me. Did she die for me? Did she live a sinless life? No, she did not. She didn't even believe in her son when she was living. Yes. She was not there in any of his meetings. She came only the first time we see him in a meeting is after he died and rose again. Huh. During the 10 days when they are waiting for Pentecost. So she had the sin of unbelief. And that's one of the worst sins in the Bible. Okay, so can Mary save me? Mary can save me if she lived a pure life and died for my sins. Only one who died for my sins is Jesus Christ. No other God died for my sins. Oh. He's the only one who died for my sins. Okay, so so that's the key. But miracles are there associated in Fatima. All these places you have miracles. But the question is, those miracles take the followers further and further and further away from Christ Jesus. Take you away. If you look at it, if you look into a typical Catholic home, what you will see is that they have Mary. It's my home. It's all were like that. We had the Mary with the crown and everything and the candles and the incense. There's no Christ there. Hardly anything about Christ. Even if there's a Christ, it's a sacred heart of Christ. I don't know what difference does it make. How does that say? I mean, all kind of, no, these are idolatry. They are negating the actual work of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now there's a whole movement that is taking place for centuries, like very powerful now in certain communities, where they are going back to the Jewish festivals and everything. They're all celebrating. Now Rosa Sana was there. You look into their churches, you don't see the cross anymore. Mm. 
don't see the cross anymore. Yes. It is the, what you call the that? Menorah. Menorah. Hmm. It is the menorah. How does the menorah save you? Menorah is only a shadow of Christ. Hmm. Menorah can't save me. It's Christ who saves me. They have all the table of shoe bread and the chauffeur. How does the chauffeur save me? He doesn't save me. It's Christ who saved me. So you are now worshipping shadows when the substance has come. So you will see this is how the enemy deceives. So there are miracles. Fine. Do people get healed in temples? Yes. Do people get healed in mosques? Yes. Do they get healed in the Buddhist lamas? Yes. They do get healed. Miracles take place everywhere. But that's not the point. Does he save you from the penalty of sin? Yes, that's the that's point. It. That's why it is called a lying, lying wonder. Sun. Counterfeit miracle, science and wonder. It never takes the power of sin from your life. So you will see the person is unchanged. It's unchanged. He still continues. Like a religious Christian who is not born again. 40 days Lent he keeps. He's very good during those 40 days. After that, back. he goes back. So your Lent was a lying Lent. It deceived you. It didn't deceive anybody. It deceived you. Why? Because you're putting your trust in that. It de- self-deception is a worse deception. Worse deception. Self-deception is the worst deception. Why? Because you're putting your trust in your good works. Yes. That's the worst thing to die with. The worst way to die is putting trust in the arm of flesh. Your good works. Without realizing God has already made a judgment about it. There is none good. No one. All have sinned. Fallen fallen short. And yet, it doesn't stop there. Let us go over there. Yeah, Pastor Vijay Pavel. Romans 3, right? Yes, Romans 3. Romans 3, 23. 23. All have sinned. And after that is the beautiful part. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory Glory of of God. God. And are justified freely. The word is, the focus is on, highlight that in your Bible. Freely. Freely. You can't pay for it. You can't pay for your salvation. It's not possible. Christ paid for it. You have to accept it freely. You don't add anything to it. Freely by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Not Mary, not Jude, not Peter, not John, not Thomas, not Paul. Nobody. Nobody. It's impossible. That's why the first statement Mary makes is that, I rejoice in my God, my My Savior. Savior. She knows the son that has been conceived in her womb will save her. Her first statement is a declaration of that. People don't know their Bibles. And they add all kind of things. They believe in these myths. And then the myth will take them to hell. Sorry to say it will take you to hell. And you will see the religious righteous person is a very proud person. Mm. Yes. Very angry person. Yes. Very self-righteous person. And very nasty person to those they look down. They look down upon the unrighteous. They look down. That's the Pharisee. Superiority. Look at, yes. look at him. Look at him. Uh, and that guy doesn't even look up. He's beating on his breast and crying. And Jesus said, who went justified? Wow. And they said, who went justified? He said, he. Because it is free. This fellow is trying to earn it. He got it free. He got it free. Everything from God is free. You cannot earn it. Huh. You cannot earn it. Grace is free. Yes, Pastor Vijay. That's it. Yes, no, Pastor. That, that, that question, yeah. And that's, I think this is what we'll end with, Pastor, because... Yeah, all one more question we will look. I think there was a question. Uh, it's actually, uh, we've done everything else, Pastor. No, no. 
The love of God is given only to those who are born again through His Spirit. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 will say this. This. Okay. 3 verse 1. How great is the love that God has lavished, lavished on, us, on us. That we should be called the children. First thing you have to realize is to love somebody the way Christ demands. You need to be content and satisfied what you would say. Absolutely sure secure. in the love of God. Secure, yeah. Secure yes. is the word. Secure, secure in the love of God. In another portion, he will say, in words, uh, chapter 4, I am right, John will say, perfect love casts away all fear. fear. And people read it completely wrong. So they will say, I have to be perfect in my love hmm. and then my fear will go. No. Mm-hmm. no. You have to believe in the perfect love, love of God and all fear will go. A little child, when our children were babies, they had no fear as long as they were with us. It's not that their love for us was perfect. They had absolute confidence that our love for them was perfect. Yes. That's what it's talking about. That's why Jesus brought a little child and said, you know, should be like him. So if I have to go live life without fear, I have to believe God's love for me is absolutely perfect. perfect. I have nothing to fear about it. Mm. Nothing to fear about His love. That even His judgments, His punishments for His children arises only because He loves us. Mm. That's why God says, whom He loves, He chases. He chases. Mm. So I have to be absolutely secure in the love of God. Because people who are not able to love others are because they are very insecure. Insecure. Okay? Insecure. That's how the kingdom of God works. So people are not able to love because that's why God says, you know, first we need to be secure in God's love. And one of the fun- fundamental things about homes, okay, that's why when you come to marriage and we give all these guidelines, don't marry, unequally be yoked, and all these things, and you know, all that thing is that, you know, because children who grow in a very loving secure atmosphere will go out in the world very secure. Mm. Okay? Very secure. Very secure. Because there is a security which only love can give. And that's why they were shocked. Teach us how to pray. So this is how we need to pray. Our Father. Father. And their jaws must have dropped. <laughs> Nobody dared call him. And whenever mm-hmm. Jesus spoke, he says, your Father in heaven, why are you worried? Your Father in knows. Even before you ask your Father, he cares about this bird. Are in two sparrows. He's constantly bringing the image of his father. He said, you have no clue who your father is and my father is. And when his first statement after resurrection is, go and tell the disciples that I'm going to my father and your and father. Your father. Because he says, you know what, that is the security that comes. And the entire world has been messed up because that security that comes from the love of the father has been taken away. Has been taken away. Oh. You know? So the first thing is that how do I love? I have to be first, absolutely. Because once I'm secure in the love of my father, that he loves me, 
I never have to doubt it. I am free to love others because I am no longer in competition for the affections of God. Affections of God. Okay, because with the God's heart is so big, it's enough space for everybody. Everybody. Amen. <laughs> everybody. Okay? So first you are accepted in the beloved. Approval is something else. But first you need to know that I am accepted before you start your race for approval. First you need to know. So I cannot love unless I know that I am loved. Okay? People say we love you with the love of the Lord. But honestly, okay? So, so first, that is what they mean. A lot of people who use those words don't understand because they have heard others say it and they repeat it. Because we need to, this all have to become experiential. Okay? And then what happens is, how do you guard your heart? How do you guard your heart so that you are able to love others? If you go to 1 John and chapter 2 verse 15 onwards, you have to understand and identify from the word of God, what are the love killers? Mm. What are the love ki- What can kill the oh. love of us? Everyone who came into Christ, God lavished his love. The seed of love is there, like the seed of faith. Love is also there because the spirit of God is there. He's a spirit of love. It is there. But what are the love killers? So unless you are absolutely comfortable and secure in the love of God, you will read the word of God differently. You will see always, oh, God is a joy killer. Mm. God is not a joy killer. He's a joy enhancer. Amen. He's a joy enhancer. So when he says this thing, do not love the world. Okay, because the world is a love killer. It kills the genuine love which God puts in our heart and replaces it with a fake. Hmm. With a fake. It replaces with a fake. So we have to be very, very careful of the love. So you will see 99% of the songs in the world is connected with love, which is fake. Hmm. Which is fake. The world has taken away. Okay, And it has all got to do with just emotions and feelings. There's no truth in it. Very little truth in it. Okay? So be very careful about the world because the world, when it's talking about the world, it's talking about the world of ideas. World of ideas. Okay? Be careful. And 1617, we'll talk about what is the world, how it is framed. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is not, but is of the world. So the love of the world, if you go and receive it, if you love the world and receive the ideas and the framework of the world, it will feed to the lust of the flesh. It will feed to the lust of, of the, the eyes. eyes. And it will feed to your pride. pride. It doesn't make you humble. Mm. It makes you proud. Mm. It makes you proud. And then if you go back to verse 15, along with the world and the system of ideas, how it works spiritually, it makes another thing, or the things in the world. Now, the things are a joy killer. Mm. Oh, sorry, a, a love, love killer. killer. It's a love killer. See, John Keats said a thing of beauty is joy forever. It's bunk. <laughs> it's absolutely bunk up. Okay, it's not a, it's not a, that's why he died early. He died, yeah, he died in his twenties or something, he died. Okay. <laughs> so, when the Bible says do not love things, it really means, it really, really means because God gives us everything that we need in life, receive it, thanksgiving, and use it, that's all. But, like, if you, and I, we don't even realize 
I mean, I have said this a thousand times in a thousand different places. It's a hyperbole. I've not been in, I've been over a thousand different places, but I may have said it also. Maybe hyperbole, only God knows. I don't keep account. I always tell young parents, I know you have to do a lot of things and maybe you like it. Please don't take your children when you go shopping. Don't take them as far as possible. Avoid these malls and these places because the more they see things in their young age, you have no idea the love of things are getting in. Oh. Take them to natural places. But those were created by God. God. Okay, Parks and countryside and sceneries. Take them and show them. All of creation declares the glory, glory of God. God. All things declare the glory of man. Mm. The love of God and the love of things come in. You know, and people people don't even realize they dump their children with toys and clothes and clothes and clothes and clothes and clothes. All kind of things without realizing they're short circuiting the spiritual success of their child. Now, things are there. God gives us things. Be very careful. It is God-given and we have gone it through God's ways and we should value things. We have not valued things because things in itself is valuable, but because of the human labor and effort that went into making that thing. Mm. So, we teach them stewardship of things. things. It gives us value. Because anything you take, there is human labor, sweat, life, because everything has to be measured. Like I used to preach to the young ones in Bhutan and all, I used to tell them, you guys, you have, how, what, what class are you? You're in class 10. And you go ask your father, I want an Android phone. And then you are miserable because he does, he's not able to get you one until you make life miserable until you get it for him. He gets it for you. How much did it cost? Uh, 15,000. And now you are showing off with your friends. Right? Okay. How much does your father make? 30,000 a month. Do you know you took his 15 days life? For a toy? For a toy. For a toy? So just a toy. Mm. I mean, you don't need an Android phone or an iPhone. You don't need it. Did you know? This is how you, you know what? You did not value your father's life. Mm. You don't value, value his life. You, didn't, you don't realize there is nothing that just comes. Behind it, there is labor involved. Labor involved. Okay. So you have to look at and to see what destroys the love of God in my life. One is the world system. I don't accept its principles, its ways, its thinking, its ideologies. I don't accept it because it's a love killer. It stops me from really loving God and loving all people. Irrespective of their class, their gender, their race, I have to love all people. I have to love all people. That's why I have to... Pre- why don't people preach the gospel? Why don't people witness? Because they don't love. Because the love of God has been stolen away from their hearts. If they really love God, they will speak the gospel to them because they know, you know what? I don't know whether he will believe or not. At least let him hear from me once. I don't want this person going to hell. Because that is the destiny of all those who don't receive the gospel. Hmm. There are only two places, like Ma prayed yesterday. Plan A, heaven. Plan B, hell. Hmm. There's no plan C. No other place. There's only two places in eternity, or not the other. And you will realize what what steals our love. What steals our love? Because our false love, we want the appreciation, we want the love of people. Hmm. Therefore, our love is false. Hmm. Therefore, we don't tell them the truth. 
you don't tell them because we don't witness and why did our love go down because the world stole it and the things stole it things stole it i have an issue with that people should have good stewardship of things but the problem is we don't devalue the value of things with our children too why because what will happen they will not they will not value the labor yes. and the hard work that went into went into these things we value those things okay value those things so we have to value some people have no value for things at all absolutely no value for things at all which is dangerous we don't love things but we have to value the labor behind it okay so please don't misunderstand what the bible is talking about but if you teach if you learn to love things automatically you will struggle to love people so what will happen is god says love people and use things we end up loving things and start using people so what do we we never speak the truth to them we flatter them that is the deceit of the tongue we flatter them either we flatter them or we condemn them condemn them you know that happens with parents let us say this class okay this class okay the child let us imagine this this was a antique piece which i mean, when i went on some place i bought it and brought and the child by mistake trips on it and it breaks you know some parents go haywire you know what the lesson you are telling the child the thing is more valuable than you i got a place for that which you don't have Okay, now you should teach the child. You need to be careful. You should not this thing. This is God alone. But you always have to tell the child you're more valuable than anything. More valuable than anything. This is not what. This is oh, what is the name of that famous O. Henry? If I'm right, wrote a beautiful short story called the Christmas. Ah, I'm trying to go back twenty, thirty years. Okay. Okay the story is about a young couple who loves each other very much they very poor couple just managing hand to mouth simple couple okay they love each other and this christmas is coming and the christmas is coming and they cannot the girl cannot think how can i allow christmas to pass through without buying jim his name is jim and her name is della i remember the names her name is della how can i allow christmas to go through without buying him a gift and he's thinking how can i go through christmas without buying her a gift but they don't have money and he knows he's got an antique watch which his father has given passed down the family but with a very poor leather strap but they don't have money to buy a strap for it and she's seen a silver chain in a shop and you know that would fit in so she wants to buy it so every whole year she has been saving pennies and finally she saved some 4 dollars whatever it's an old story you know and when it comes time and she goes to the shop she finds she doesn't have enough money to buy and there is something she has which is very valuable she's got beautiful long hair the husband loves her hair and she decides i'm going to sell my hair I'm going to go and they buy hair, no beautiful hair, not to make wigs and all. I'm going to sell my hair, and I'm going to buy this silver chain for my husband's watch. So just before Christmas, the day before Christmas, she goes, sells the, gets a haircut, sells her hair, and buys the Christmas chain. Okay, now 
he he knows she loves there is this what horn bone comb which would fit into her hair which she loves and he doesn't have money to buy it but he says i want i know she, every time we have passed by she would look at it and she's oh, it's so beautiful and he says i want to buy it for her okay so what did he do he doesn't have money so what does he do he sells his watch <laughs> so first day he opens the door and they come in and he looks at her and she looks at him and she is so excited you don't know what i got for you and he looks at us you don't know what i have got for you <laughs> and they look at both their gifts and they start crying you know and uh, the story is oh the name of the story is the gift of the magi the four three wise men right the gift of the magi so, so the whole moral of the story and i loved it when i when you are in a country where you're not allowed to preach and you have to teach these stories to these children you can give the gospel left right and center okay so the whole idea is what is valuable is not the thing it is the thought in your heart you care you care for the person so you value that thing and you're willing to sacrifice this thing to take care of it okay so that's how god says you need to look at things hmm. you could look at things okay because behind everything there is something attached there is human labor there are human feelings there are human affections and we men are terrible that's why we forget our wedding anniversary and all and they remember okay so we forget all those things okay and uh, like you know they forget what is important for us and we forget what is important for them you know but so when you're talking about things a gift without love devalues that gift that's why the most powerful statement in the bible is still the same words for god so, so loved, loved the world he gave his only son only son okay only son so you have to look at it and until we get that into our hearts we will struggle to love people struggle to love people and we struggle to love people is because we do not realize that same person god loves them exactly the way he loves me and his son died for that person exactly the way he died for me and that person is as as valuable in god's eyes as i am valuable you know a lot of things a lot of things we learn and that's the language of heaven amen okay three things will be there at the eternity and of the greatest of them is love and only love goes into eternity neither faith nor, nor hope. hope yes because in eternity you neither need faith, faith nor hope, hope. Amen. you need love hallelujah That's why we'll stop tomorrow today tonight and tomorrow we'll come back to church. Father we just come to you Lord this night we just thank you. We just praise you. We thank you for all the brothers sisters who send these questions. Thank you Lord. Thank you. Thank you Lord. Those questions bring answers which blesses many. It causes us to think Lord things we take it for granted. One question from a stranger causes us to think deeply about our own lives. our own words our own actions ask us to reflect do i really love things do i really love people why do i get so upset when things are damaged and don't get upset when people are damaged why are we so upset over a broken glass and not over a broken child you cause us to think 
So I thank you for every brother, every sister who sends these questions, Lord. And their cry is our cry too. None of us would ever be perfect in love. We have to grow. Grow until we reach your stature. You said to be perfect as your Father in heaven is imperfect because he loves his enemies. His reign falls upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Until we reach that point, we have been truly loved. So we just thank you, Father, for these questions. I commit everyone into thy hands, everyone who is listening and will listen. And I pray the hand of God would be upon them and he would lead us from glory to glory, from truth to truth, from strength to strength. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you. We will not be anxious. We will rest, knowing our God is in control. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.